Welcome to the So She Is podcast. I am your host, Katie Neary, and this podcast is your one-stop shop for all things manifestation, neuroscience, spiritual evolution, and how to tap into your infinite potential and live a life beyond your wildest dreams. I know that you clicking play today is no accident, and I am so grateful for you being here. With that said, let's get this party started. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to So She Is, and thank you for pushing play today. I am so dang excited for this episode. As we mentioned, I used to actually be Makosi, the guest today. I used to be her insurance broker back in the day. And it's so funny because everything that I wanted to be or aligned with, I ended up kind of being like their insurance broker. It When you're in sales and you're in that position, it's not like every day that people respond to you or like are open to meeting with you. But for me, a pattern and like what helped me actually get out of corporate America was the fact that every single person or business that was tied to the spiritual community or tied to the community I wanted to be a part of slash start my own of actually responded and I was like, oh my gosh, I have this wide variety of clients that are all across the spiritual space. Like this is so interesting, but also like the biggest breadcrumb of why I should actually quit and go through with pursuing my own thing because it was just obvious. And so I am just so grateful that Makosi took the time out of her day and her schedule to meet with me and just share her wisdom and her knowledge. I hope you guys get so much out of this episode. We dive into who she is, who she's been, her past. We dive into shamanism and what it was like to get initiated and what it even means to be a shaman and are all the people on Instagram who kind of claim to be a shaman actually shamans. We dive into the energetics of money and how to cultivate a better relationship with money. And then we talk about euphoric evolution, which is what she is all about. Makosi Najesser, known as the Royal Shaman, is the world-leading African shaman specializing in energetic alignment and human potential. She mentors high-performing individuals to create powerful transformations, amplifying their wealth and impact. Called a spiritual guide for empire builders, Makosi turns entrepreneurs into conscious leaders, teaching thousands to connect with their highest self. Those working with her see incredibly incredible growth personally and professionally. Makosi has been referred to as the get shit done shaman and as a productivity shaman for her ability to motivate and enlighten. She is a fully initiated South African Sanusi Zulu shaman and is trained in ancient Egyptian spirituality through the Dogon Mystery School. Using integration and evolution, Makosi shows disruptive visionaries how they can magnetize more in flow and alignment with their authentic essence, establishing a life beyond success encompassed by legacy, freedom, and fulfillment. She has been featured for her expertise in CNBC, Business Insider, Entrepreneur, Refinery29, Success, Pop Sugar, Girl Boss, and on the CW, CBS, NBC, and ABC. Mixing real talk with modern wisdom, Makosi is the spiritual advisor for today's world. And I cannot be more excited to share this amazing episode with you. So without further ado, here is the Royal Shaman herself. Hello, Makosi. Thank you so much for being here today. It is so incredible to have this like, not full circle, I would say 180 moment of like the last time we were talking, it was about your insurance, which was 
just a blast. And um, since then, things have changed. And I am now hosting this podcast and having you on as a guest, which is just like proof of uh, that anyone at any point can pivot and turn into whatever they want their life to be. And so I just want to thank you for your time and for being here. And I'm so excited for this episode. Um, It is this beautiful, epic 180 moment. And I just have to tell you too, because I haven't told you before, but um, right after we met and we were having our, our insurance conversation, I finished the call and I had a conversation with my husband and I said, yeah, so she is not at all in the right role for her. However, I wasn't going to say it to you because I was like, I think she just needs like a little bit of time, but your energy is incredibly different in such a euphoric way in the path that you're on now. And so I'm really excited to just show up here and be able to support you in following your euphoria because it's so freaking good when you do that. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yes. I remember just hanging up after that call and having a similar conversation like, damn, I want to be on that side of the call. (laughs) I want to be in your shoes, not on my shoes. Um, But without further ado, let's jump into who you are, who you've been, um, how, what do you do and how do you help people? Cause there's not many of you around and I'd love if we just start by introducing however you see fit. Yeah. Lately I've been realizing that I am basically the Rihanna of spirituality. <laughs> I love it. Um, what that means in like tangible terms is like how Rihanna brought Savage Fenty and Fenty Beauty and just like completely disrupted industries. Also kind of like her little kind of sexy, but edgy way that was very different. I, I too am that, but in spirituality, personal development, um, I also find myself in, in business spaces as well. So what I do on a day-to-day basis is really advise, guide, and teach incredible conscious visionaries who are here to change the world, here to make a difference. And I support them in the inner journey that's required in order to create that change and support them on that journey of self-exploration and transformation. And so in order to do that and to hold space for that, I would assume maybe has this like what did childhood look like for you? How did you even get into this world? Because personally, I have a theory that like, honestly, like the more trauma you've been through or like the more hardship, the more likely you are to call up to this work because you know, there's another side, you know, there's a light, you, you obviously found a way to survive it. Um, and so how did that shape you into where you are today and how you got to be a shaman of, and all the other titles in the Rihanna of the spiritual development world. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, my, my childhood was incredibly traumatic. I, I grew up in a very poor state. My mom was a single teen mom and there were two of us and I experienced lots of sexual trauma as well as um, the murder of my best friend at age 15. And I found that 
I was probably having some inner conversations and inner explorations that maybe other kids my age weren't really have any having at all. <laughs> I started questioning things really early and um, from a more psychological and spiritual perspective. And I can say without a shadow of a doubt that my ability to hold space for the depths of whatever someone brings to me without judgment comes from my own transmutation of those challenges that, that I experienced. Um, while I can't say without a shadow of a doubt, um, that everything that everything bad that happens to us has a purpose. I don't know if I completely buy into that, but what I can say, I do believe is that when we have experienced immense challenge, we then have an opportunity because there, there is energy that lies in that, that if we transform it, we can use it to create something absolutely beautiful, magical, powerful, you know, all of the wonderful words. We can, we can use it to be of service to others. A hundred percent agree. And you touched on without judgment. Now, that's really fun to say. And <laughs> I, I myself can attest how hard sometimes it is when you get in a judgment cycle or you don't even recognize your own thoughts. Let's say um, someone's looking to, you know, maybe approach something with non-judgment, but they've lived their whole life judging themselves or, you know, shaming themselves or shaming others. And that's all they know. Is there any tips or tricks to practice non-judgment even if, like if it that feels unsafe even like I feel like sometimes judgment safety too so how could someone go about wanting to explore non-judgment without thinking yeah. it's like oh that's stupid I like you know <laughs> judging yeah. it, from people judge it yeah judging the judging yeah. um <laughs> which we do a lot yeah we judge the judging we put crap on top of feeling like crap all the time that's that is um, common through all humans. That's the human experience. I, as a spiritual teacher, I teach a lot through questions, hmm. right? And the reason why is because the reality begins to show us ourselves through the nature of the questions that we ask. Mm -hmm. So when we ask questions that are limiting, we get limitation. But when we ask questions that are open-ended and then we follow the trail of those questions, we begin getting to root causes or, or the source of what's causing us resistance, discomfort, pain, so on and so forth. So for this one specifically, you can simply ask yourself five to seven times the question, what's wrong with this or that, right? So if you are judging something, and maybe you don't even realize that you're judging something, but you say something like, I can't do X, Y, Z. Well, what's wrong with doing X, Y, Z? What's wrong with that? Well, if I do that, then I would be, um, 
I would be out of integrity. Well, what's wrong with being out of integrity? What's wrong with that? Well, then, da 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 da. Well, what's wrong with that? Blah, 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 blah. Right. And you keep going. And eventually, around five to seven questions in, sometimes it can take a little bit more, but you get to the source of it. And most of the time, almost all of the time, it comes down to some fear of not being safe, connected, or loved, aka accepted, right? Right. So safe, connected, loved, accepted, right? That is our primary motivation for so much. And we shape a lot of our personality around who we think we have to be in order to be safe, loved, accepted, connected versus being who we truly are, who we truly desire to be and express as. That, yeah. Wow. I think that will help so many people with, even I am thinking in my head of all the ways I can go, well, what's wrong with that? And like, using those questions just to get like, even on like the surface level, I kind of want to pivot, um, into your health history. So whenever I have a guest on, I just fully divulge myself into them for a week. So I know every detail of you, what I'm saying, (laughs) but I, however, the far of the extent you're comfortable with sharing, I would love to dive into it because I've heard you talk about the calling sickness and I, selfishly want to know more because my journey and my lesson is my body. The amount of times from when I was young until literally last month, my body has not like just things that doctors go, we've never seen this. Although there's like a one and nothing chance that this happens. Like this is so rare. I don't know. And it, um, personally, and I know that's why I'm now in like the ecstatic dance movement space as well, because that's how I've connected back to my body. But it sounds like you are one of the very few people who I've heard openly talk about this calling sickness or the illnesses you've experienced or the ways your body has like completely de- like combusted on you of what it seems like. And I'd love if you dive into that yeah. and just share. Absolutely. So um, I'm actually in the process of uh, writing a book. And I'm doing it through speaking. So I have someone, a ghostwriter, she interviews me once a week and then is turning that into the book. And we actually were talking, we were just talking about this. So let's talk about it. Um, Well, we have to first understand that our physical body is spirit first. Everything on this plane is non-physical first and then actualizes onto this plane, all right? So whenever we are experiencing any sort of disease, dysfunction, uh, allergic reactions, so on and so forth in our bodies, it is communicating misalignment somehow, some way, or suppression of a certain expression, right? There's something happening around misalignment where our body is expressing that hey we aren't quite in tune here with 
who our soul wants to be. Now I have to also put other caveats on that because that doesn't mean like if you were born with certain congenital disorders that you are out of alignment because actually there are some souls who are here to express and do express certain um, physical ailments and that's part of their journey, right? So I will give an example of that. Like I, the spirit that I carry is associated with water, um, abundance, wealth, fertility, so on and so forth. It bestows those gifts onto the people that I'm around, the people that I'm connected with, the people who do right by me and do well by me. It also works in the opposite when people <laughs> don't, um, <laughs> so on and so forth. However, the effect that that has on my body is that um, I actually struggle with infertility. That's one of the manifestations actually of this particular energy. It gives that out, but it doesn't necessarily um, keep it for itself, right? Mm -hmm. So I do, I still actually do have some manifestation of um, reproductive issues. So it's not always just like, oh, you're misaligned. It does sometimes have a little bit of reflection on who your soul is and so on and so forth. Um, I experienced the calling sickness in particular at a time that's, that was really when I was being called to accept that I was a spiritual teacher, leader, advisor, so on and so forth right? That mm -hmm. I was a spiritualist at heart and at, at, at the core of who I am. And um, it actually started shortly after my best friend was murdered when I was 15. Mm. Well, she was also 15. We were 15 years old. Um, I went into like this year of silence almost. I, I did speak a little bit to my family, but I withdrew from everything and I was quiet for like a year. And during that year, I was in deep contemplation. I was like a walking, I probably looked like a zombie to everybody else, but I was very, I was questioning and, you know, ruminating inside. And I ended up the next year, finally, like starting to get back out and, and like start expressing myself more and got back into show choir. And it started around the time I had, and I had this weird freak accident where I fell off the back of a stage that shouldn't have, it, it just didn't make sense how it happened, but it did. Mm -hmm. And then I started having weird health issues, like um, random bouts of, of constipation that had no, it didn't make any sense. That's really kind of like one of the first things. Um, also the reproductive issues got really extreme and uh, with cysts and like the PCOS and endometriosis and all sorts of things. But then other things started happening as I'm getting older and still not accepting this like spiritual side of me, still not expecting, not, not accepting that I had um, spiritual gifts and was suppressing them, even though I was seeing spirits and I was like, nope, I'm not, I'm not seeing this. Uh, you know, I started having really severe migraines. Um, I started losing weight 
randomly. Like I would just lose 18 pounds in a month for no reason. Um, I would have this severe fatigue that made absolutely no sense. Horrible brain fog out of nowhere. I would be sitting here having a conversation and then all of a sudden I wouldn't be able to remember what one plus one was. Um, I also, one of the, the key indicators for me was this um, intense bone pain mm. in my body. Like my entire body would ache in the bones and I would just be screaming and crying in pain all night. And then it would somehow like seemingly just go away and I would be kind of back to semi-functioning. Um, and then also really interesting, weird tab, um, allergies that were like, I became allergic to eggs and wheat and soy and tuna and um, dairy, like all sorts of spontaneous allergies appeared at the same time. And so I started going to doctors trying to figure out what was going on. And at the peak, at the worst of it all, I was seeing three different doctors. They were like, oh, this is, this is, um, it's cancer. Um, it's a, a, um, immune disorder because my markers were showing my immune system being severely depressed and so on and so forth. And I can tell you, it wasn't until I actually started accepting my calling, accepting who I am. When we say calling, people think job, like <laughs> yeah. accepted that I was here to be a doctor. No, not necessarily that, like that's, that could be how you do your calling, but your calling is about who you're here to be, who you are here to be. And I am here to be a spiritual being, a spiritual teacher, a spiritual advisor and guide and provide that support and knowledge and education for others, right? I'm I am here to bring my experiences and my connection and, and with the unseen realm and bring that through here so that it can be actualized, so that it can come into form. So it wasn't until I started accepting that, that I experienced the resolution of almost all of it. Wow. Um, so my, all of my allergies, even my peanut allergy healed. <laughs> wow. Um, I do still semi have issues with soy, just a tiny, tiny bit. Um, but I didn't know at the time those were manifesting because my spirit in order to be embodied needed me to not eat those things because they were messing with my frequency. Mm. I didn't know that was what was happening. Um, but I feel like health is so important. And for most people that I come across, health is like one of those, it's like a gateway drug. <laughs> Your health is like a gateway drug because when your body feels like crap and you can't function and it's doing all sorts of weird things, it causes you first to go on a hunt and your first hunt looks like, okay, I'm going to, um, I'm going to explore all the different current medicinal therapies, right? I'm going to go see all the different specialists. Mm -hmm. Then it also kind of either before or after it will probably at some point go mental. 
So you'll start probably exploring the mental plane of like, wait, um, maybe this is all, maybe this is all in my head. Maybe I should see a therapist, right? Yes. I saw the therapist. I saw yes. the psychiatrist, right? Um, then you start going alternative usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and alternative could look like, like for me, I got introduced to the, to the idea of, of supplementation and enzymes and what people probably now call biohacking. I didn't know that that's what it was back then, but I got introduced to it. And then, you know, chiropractic medicine and acupuncture and yoga and so on and so forth. And those all started to show me that, oh, wait, there's another aspect mm-hmm. of you. And I said, well, let me go explore that. Let me go explore the root cause. Mm-hmm. Let me find the root. Wow. I, it's so funny because I too, at age 16, that's when things took a big turn for me. And I had a freak accident of being hit in the back of the neck with a melon. Um, there was like a food fight at lunch and, uh, someone just, it was like the end of the year or whatever. And they just chucked a melon and it hit the back of my neck. And then everything like a couple months, everything just kind of fell apart that like I was diagnosed with like chronic regional pain syndrome, which is just like that deep bone ache that you're saying and like crazy things like that. And like, just you saying you fell off the back of the stage as a teenager in a weird way. And then everything went to, I was like, oh my gosh, my, we are one. We are all interconnected. It's like, wait, how does this even make any sense? Um, But from a spiritual level, if you understand that our physical reality is just a manifestation of spiritual reality, Mm -hmm. then you begin to understand that everything that we experience is coming from somewhere, right? Even a melon hitting, which is wild. Just so, so freaky. And then same thing with you, everything falling apart, but falling back together because that's been my, just like, it's my biggest lesson and what I have to offer now, which I'm so grateful for. And going to what you offer, I would love to talk a little bit more about like shamanism. Like what is a shaman? I feel like there's, um, like that new age spirituality, like I'm going to ascend to the 5d and like, I'm not really like, that's not really, I mean, I only really know new age because I'm pretty relatively young, but that doesn't feel like a connection. If anything, it almost turns me off from uh, like, just like, like, I don't know the teachers I choose to learn from don't typically hold that energy. I just, it doesn't resonate. And so I would love to know, like, you're like the get shit done shaman. And so, and you bring it and you ground it and it's so true. And it's like, you can like be so spiritual, but so human. And I, that's why I'm so feel like you're so magnetic. And I would love if you just explored a little bit into that kind of shared what even it means to be a shaman. If everyone who's claiming to be one on Instagram is actually one, like that kind of like going down that road. Yeah. Um, I can't say that, um, everyone, well, let me take one more step back. When we're using the word shaman, we do have to first clarify what we're, what we are saying, because if you go and Google the word shaman, 
there's like, you know, two little sentences that do not accurately describe what a shaman is, mainly because number one, the word shaman is specific to um, a tribe in Siberia. And it's what they call their um, traditional healers that work in between realms that bridge the physical and the non-physical realm in this very specific way. Um, I'm saying in this very specific way, meaning trance is one of the core pillars. Being able to access trance um, spontaneously and then utilize trance in a certain way is one of those markers. There are others. Um, I utilize the term shaman. I had to go through some a lot of resistance um, only because here that's that is what's being communicated but in the lineage that i initiated into we have different names actually there's different type there's different titles depending on the kinds of spirits that you carry and those spirits determine the kind of gifting that you have okay so most people when they think of shaman they think of plant medicine mm -hmm. That's like the automatic association. If, if you're a shaman, you deal with plant medicine. And for our lineage, that's actually a different thing. That's actually an herbalist. Mm. That's actually someone who um, trains a very long time in a specific lineage. They have certain mentorship. They go through, you know, specific diet. They ingest the medicine and so on and so forth. And usually it is the um, more on the physical plane. They, they deal primarily with the physical plane, the physical body, so on and so forth. Um, and I do also know that there are some of them who um, the plants themselves, the consciousness of the plants is what's communicating to them. Mm. Now there's another classification where the gifting is a little is more spiritual than physical and that's what we um, consider shaman but there's different types so i initiated as a sangoma but i have a lot of different spirits so i have a lot of different i have multiple different titles but the role that i'm primarily here to play is as what's called a sanusi um, a sanusi is a seer a soothsayer a spiritual leader, teacher, advisor. Mainly we deal with energy and we also um, deal with things on bigger scale, usually. Mm. Um, we're here usually to teach large numbers of people, um, affect entire cultures, so on and so forth. Mm. We also do have um, some who like primarily they use their spiritual gifts to do readings, to assess spiritual roots of problems. They may also use plants, um, but they are using those in a, it's a, it's a smaller amount. It's not their primary thing, or they may use water and candles and prayer, or they may use, um, incense and those sorts of things. So that is 
kind of that overarching lots of like myths, misunderstandings and whatnot. All of our ancient cultures had shamans, but they were not shamans. They were not called shamans. Mm. That's specific to one, one culture. Um, now your question about is everyone that says that they're a shaman, <laughs> a shaman. I'm going to say that no, um, they are not. There, I have to be really careful because I'm noticing that actually there are people who are being initiated. Mm. Um, and that initiation is coming ancestrally, is coming through the ancestors initiating on two planes. One, um, in the physical realm, like the experiences that they're having are initiating them. And everyone has that experience. We're all being, we're all in initiation. Okay. No. Um, but then also there's a non-physical initiation happening. Like, for example, one of my initiations, I was taken underwater and I lived for a year underwater. And this was in one night here, but it was a year in oh. dream time. Okay. And so I fell asleep one night and I was taken out in the water under the sea where there were people there mm -hmm. and I trained and I learned and I worked and so on and so forth. And I went to sleep every night in that realm, dreamed in that realm, woke up the next day. And that was about a year. And then when I woke up here, it had just been one night, but it was a year there. Wow. So those sorts of initiations are also happening. That's not a common one. Yeah. Uh, that, that was not I don't think I've heard of that one yet. <laughs> no, that was not, that was not a common one. Um, but I know, I know people who like their ancestors are coming to them and saying, um, we need you to, you know, you have this health issue going on. We need you to use this and this and this, and then they use it. And then they learn, oh, wow, this works when you have this kind of problem. Right. And so they're learning that way. The traditional way which is the way that I was initiated first and then my initiations continued is that you go through a deconditioning process and you learn under someone else and you do not become a shaman until they and also your spiritual family and the community proclaims that you are and you receive your name and title and blah, 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 blah. Right. And so it's a, it's a longer process, but it is not like in these days, because that's not always feasible for everyone. There are, spirit always makes a way. Mm -hmm. Always. Yeah. Wow. Initiation. When I feel like that word could have different meanings behind it, like college hazing type of vibes. Um, is that what, could you give an, like another example of like what you mean by initiation, just to clarify, like, it's not like an overnight stay where you have to do all these crazy things or is it? Um, well, we could say that actually hazing, like college hazing has its roots in initiation. It's a distorted and warped expression but it does actually have 
some similarities to initiation. Mm. Initiation does have multiple meanings. On one level, it means education. It means to learn. On another, it means to become. So to shed one way of being and become another way of being. The other way is that it means is literally is to start, right? So you go through initiation to start on your calling, right? Mm -hmm. So in my initiation process, um, are there some aspects that are, that people would probably perceive as hazing? Yep. Mm -hmm. In that it's designed to challenge you to such a degree, especially physically, that you have this experience of surrender and humility to your gifts and you begin, you let go of attachment and mm. you surrender to spirit, to being spirit led, to being spirit first. So we do go through very difficult things like some of the easiest things that I did, almost no one here would do, like sleeping on the floor for five years. Oh, right? yeah, that's more than one night of hazing. <laughs> All right. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's next right. level. Yeah. Yeah. Or um, abstaining from sugar, not eating sugar for months, not having sex for long periods of time. Um, when I was in initiation, even though I'm married, I could not have sex. Um, rigorous cleansing processes, waking up at three o'clock in the morning in order to meditate and pray and connect with spirit. Um, various ceremonies and rituals, you know, walking on my knees, like it's, it's a difficult process. And there's a lot that I can't even talk about because it's secret. Mm. Um, however, um, the process, even though most don't make it through that process, right? when you do make it through the process, um, you feel very, very strong. <laughs> I can only imagine. Right? Like somebody could talk crap about me. And while I would be like, oh, also it just, it just makes you very resilient and very tough so that when you are on your path and you're in your calling, you aren't easily swayed. Mm. You become, it's it's kind of like a warrior. Did you see the woman king? I didn't. You gotta go see it. It just okay. came out last time. So oh, okay. Um, but if you if you go and you see it and you see like the the training that the warriors are going through in in that well the african way is not always the easiest way it's kind of like how the how in um different asian cultures right mm -hmm. where, um they go they they train hard and they put their bodies through a lot and it's a very similar thing wow that sounds mind-blowing like I mean the amount of questions I have in my head if I didn't have more things that I'd rather talk about I could just sit and listen and be amazed at you and all that you've done and I think because I had a small knowing of that is where I um probably coming back to the judgment place a little bit of judgment on people who 
consider themselves of equals where it's like, wait, but did you walk on your knee? Did you sleep on the floor for five years? Not that you have to do that to make you anything, but it just feel, I don't know. Sometimes there's like a little bit of fraudulent feeling on Instagram. And, um, yeah. So thank you for clarifying that. And just like sharing your journey with that. I, um, would now love to talk about money because I feel like money is everything. And it is the most common thing that people want to know about how to just everything about it. It's the most taboo, but common topic ever, because if you have it, it's either the best thing or the worst thing and all that. So I guess I kind of want to just start with, I think this was inspired by an Instagram reel that you did, but how could someone who feels like they're in survival mode tap into abundance or like someone who feels so far away from financial freedom, like couldn't even put themselves in the shoes. How could they even cultivate that relationship with money or even begin to feel like maybe they are abundant? Mm. So most of the reason why we feel like we aren't abundant is comparisonitis. Mm. Um, the and it's not all the time because there are definite moments where we don't, at least from our perception, we don't have it. But most of our suffering when it comes to money and the feeling of being in survival mode is coming from either us future casting and thinking and focusing on, oh, I should have that amount of money coming from the future, but I'm not there yet. Or past, I had that amount of money and now I don't. And so it's not to say like, we don't have moments of pain when it comes to money and not having the money to do what we want, feel free, blah, 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 blah. But most of the time it's coming because we're not present. Mm. We're not actually in the moment. So the way that we can start to actually build a better relationship with money is to actually be present with money and also it's various um we could say expressions or like the things that it's brought into your life like it's very common for us in the west to say something like i'm broke yet also simultaneously i'm using a sony zv1 camera i have my you know fabulous pretty new um Samsung here and my computer and so on and so forth, right? All of these things came by way of money, right? Mm -hmm. So we can get present to and grateful for, which I know is like talked about all the time, but it is really powerful. Being grateful for what we do have helps us to magnify it and also create more of it. Hmm. When we're focused on, I don't have enough money. Um, it becomes very difficult to see how to create more of it. <laughs> You're focused on, I don't have it. I don't have it. I don't have it. I don't have it. But when we're grateful for, and not attached to it, we can be like thankful 
that my phone that I have my phone and also simultaneously I can desire to you know, buy my son this Nintendo Switch mm-hmm. right right and so then it becomes well how do I create the opportunity to buy that the other piece of that as well is um we also don't recognize how far we've come and what we've created right? Mm. Like there are aspects of your life, pretty much anyone, there are aspects of your life that at one point you dream, you literally dreamed of, Mm -hmm. right? Like the ability to, um, live in an apartment when maybe you were sleeping on someone's couch, right? right? So that's where you can start. And what that's doing (laughs) is taking you out of doom spiraling, which we do a lot, Mm -hmm. and puts your focus instead on this moment. That doesn't mean like ignore that you have overdrafts, right? Or ignore that you have debts, right? But it does mean that you put more emphasis on the on the creation and on the on the gratitude versus the feelings of i'm lacking i don't have it um everything's going to be taken away from me so on and so forth because right. the truth is is that even if you lose it all even if you lose it all there's still more money coming. Mm. Yes. I love that. And that just like even being present with that is just huge because like when you were talking, I I was like thinking like, well, what about if they don't know where the next month is, but then I'm like, but if you're present, you wouldn't future trip or if you have something that you know is a big bill coming up, but you can stay present in the moment of just like, wow, like look at this computer we're talking about this microphone this whatever they're listening to and if they're driving in that car like there's so many different things like if you go back to the moment of how you can be just grateful for that and that's so simple and so doable and so easy I want to dive into debt now because you did mention don't ignore if you have debt I'm just curious I know my fiance has like a student loan debt coming up and so I know that's kind of like a stress and so I'm just curious how you navigate debt and the relationship with debt and what advice you would give for people who are experiencing some debt. Yeah. Um, Part of what keeps us trapped in the cycle of debt is the negative shame and judgment that we place on having debt, right? It's so much of our focus. If you, if you understand that, like what we focus on grows, (laughs) so when we focus on debt we actually grow our debt and when we focus on creation we create more right we we actually are able to create more money so i don't say i don't recommend to anyone ignore your debt but what i encourage anyone to do if you are trying to get out of debt or um shift things financially 
is that you put more emphasis and focus on what you're creating than debt. So you can do this in really practical ways, like reserve a specific amount of money that you are going to pay towards the debt, right? And make it more than the minimum payment because that's a trap. Like mm -hmm. minimum payments are a trap. Um, the way that I like to do it is I base it off of how much is coming in and then do a percentage of how much is coming in. Make sure that of course it actually is paying off the, the debt to some degree. But let's say if you have a thousand dollars coming in, that's beyond your, your basic bills, right? There's a thousand dollars that comes in in that month. Let's say that you take 20% of that and add it to paying off the debt. And you put that on automatic as much as possible. So you're not always like looking at, oh, I've got so much debt. I've got so much debt. I've got so much debt. You put it on, on an auto pay, right? Mm -hmm. And that 20% goes towards the debt. But you're focusing your energy on the creation and you're taking that, that other 80% of the money, that $800, and putting it towards something that is going to create, whether that be your own, in, like your own self-mastery, investing in your personal growth, investing in your mental health, investing in, you know, clothes that do feel good to you and so on and so forth. Not necessarily going too crazy, but making sure that you're taking care of yourself. Investing in knowledge that you can utilize. Investing in um, actually creating something. Whether that be, you know, a course or um, cooking for someone or like there's lots of different places that you can put that but it's really about what are you creating? We're always with our energy, whether it's our attention or with our, with our money, we're creating realities. Mm. So what is the reality that we are creating with the money? Are we creating more debt with the money or are mm. we actually creating something that is able to expand? Yeah, I love that. Comparing it to energy and just like, just the day-to-day, -day, like where are you putting your energy is kind of like, where are you putting your money? And is it going to something that's just going to raise or is it just same thing every single day, same thing every single month that just kind of contributes to the debt cycle or doesn't really change the debt cycle? That is beautiful. And I love that. Um, so I know you mentioned wearing clothes that feel good and all of that. And I know you love luxury, you love fashion. And I want to dive into that because there is, you know, just like different things of like, you can't be spiritual and like want all these material items. Or if you do, then maybe you feel a little bit guilty like about it. And so how can people feel like confident in the fact that it's safe to like want to heal the world, but also want like a Gucci bag, <laughs> essentially. I love my Gucci bag, actually. Yes. And I just got a new Givenchy oh, bag today. My husband today? just picked it up. Beautiful. Um, I'm very excited. Um, so we have to understand what luxury is. Um, luxury has gotten a bad rap, mainly because we as a society have been superficial about things, okay? 
very superficial about the material plane. But if you will remember, I said that everything that is material or physical has an energetic component to it. It has a spiritual essence to it. So the original meaning of luxury is choice. Mm. It's choice, right? It's luxury of choice. And we get to choose that based off of our values. And we do that through the lens of who we be, who we believe ourselves to be, right? So there is a problem or there has been the manifestation of a problem where people are trying to buy their identity through stuff, Mm -hmm. through, you know, carrying the Louis Vuitton or, you know, working with this coach or so on and so forth. And the issue is not that they shouldn't work with that coach or they shouldn't buy that bag. It is the energy with which they are doing it, right? Mm -hmm. It's the energy with which that they're doing it. So when I buy something that is luxury, number one, um, most of the luxury that I wear actually doesn't even, you don't even know. that I'm wearing luxury. In fact, I was really shocked that people started asking me about money and luxury and abundance and all of these things. Cause I'm like, I really, I hardly ever talk about how much money I make. I don't really talk about um, name brands and blah, 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 blah. Because for me, luxury is about choosing to experience my essence. So I don't just buy bags. I don't even have that many bags. Honestly, I have like four, (laughs) four bags. And the fourth one, like the fourth one's coming. Um, I'm, I feel a connection to them because to me, they are a reminder and symbolic of the frequency that I desire to express of me. Mm. Right. And so for me, it's the quality of the item. Like, like this is something that's going to last a long time. I love longevity. Mm -hmm. Been with my husband 13 years. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I love a long term anything. Um, to me, it's the, it's the craftsmanship of something. Um, I value exquisiteness. I value something that, you know, somebody put time and energy into mastering versus fast fashion, um, (laughs) which is everywhere. Like even this top right now, which no one knows what this brand is, but I invested more money in this brand because it's a sustainable brand Mm -hmm. where they pay the, the women, they mostly have women who work for them. They pay them living wages. They get, um, they only work no more than 40 hours a week. They get paid vacation. They invest in, you know, all of these things. That's what luxury is about. And so I utilize the material plane. I utilize the material plane 
to connect with my spirit. Mm. I see myself reflected in items. That requires intention. Yes. And you can have that intention. You don't need to go and buy anything. Right. You can do this. You can do this with the food that you eat. You can do this with the clothes that you already have in your closet. And you, you can go in there and connect with, well, what is the energy? Like today, I, this is how I got dressed. This is how I literally get dressed. I was like, what is the energy that I, that I desire to express today? How do I desire to feel? And I was like, Ooh, I'm feeling fifth element and like tomb Raider today. (laughs) I love it. Kind of weird and also edgy. And then I like grabbed what was in my closet that I, that felt like that energy I and love then it. I'm on. Right. And so all day long, I've been like Lara Croft with my harness <laughs> and, you know, fifth element with like my little, like weird cutouts in my top. And yes. to me, this is the, this is the beauty of the feminine essence. Um, we degrade and downplay the feminine essence, but the feminine essence is connected with the beauty of this plane. Mm. It is connected with the heart and soul. It's connected with the the essence of things, right? It's It's the aspect that takes stuff and turns it into an experience, right? That's the feminine essence. And so we can connect with our feminine essence when we bring that intention to how we get dressed, how we do our makeup, how we, you know, how we connect with other people, how we cook our food, so on and so forth. Yeah, that is so powerful. And I absolutely love that. And I feel like that's probably why people ask you about money because you show up as as the frequency of wealth. Like, no, you don't have any name brand on you anywhere. And like you said, you don't, it's not like you share your numbers publicly and just put everything out for everyone to see, like, look at I'm money, but you show up as I am money. Like I am wealth. I am that frequency. And it's so just captivating. Like you just want to know more about it. And so with that, I'd love to talk about euphoric evolution and what this, what it is. And I know that's kind of your thing right now. So I'll just let you take the floor and then we can go from there. Yeah. I, I ended up creating euphoric evolution after number one, my own experiences with trying to uncover my calling and experiencing what I call the void, which is, is this moment in in time where you keep feeling that call. Um, it, it keeps showing up and I created this process because I saw a need for it and that there's almost no one that knows how to take people through the void. At least from my experience, I'm one of the only ones. Um, and I don't say that just to be like full of myself. I, I look, <laughs> I really look right. for, okay. Cause I can't help everybody. So who else can I, you know, right. Refer people to, and, um, the core principle of euphoric evolution is that it is a process through which 
you at first are shifting from being mentally led to spirit led where your intuition is your GPS. And what this does is it takes you on a, on a spiritual journey of self-evolution and it brings your identity into alignment with who your soul desires for you to be. And when that happens, you are forever changed. Um, it becomes a way of being. So it's euphoric evolution is not just like a, oh, you're going to go through this step-by-step -step process. It's non-linear. It's a non-linear experience. It's happening in real time when, when experiences happen in your reality, it is a way of evolving your identity and mm -hmm. that that happens forever, but you are getting into a practice of surrender into your flow. Mm. What, what is the void feel like for someone that maybe as soon as you said that word, like it hit them somewhere, but they, what, what would you say the void is, or what is someone that's experiencing the void go through? Yeah. So the void starts as a sense or just a, just a, just a little quiet gnawing on the inside that tells you, like, you can just feel, I am like, is this it? <laughs> um, you, you're kind of going through the motions, but you're not fully fulfilled in the things that you're doing. You don't feel fully expressed. Um, a word that comes up a lot is freedom. So what I find is people are trying to find financial freedom because they think, oh, once I have the money, then I'll be free to be myself. Um, then they get the money and they're like, no, that wasn't it. So maybe I need time so that I can be myself. They get the time and then they're like, wait, I'm, but I'm still not free. That's because freedom is about being free to be yourself, letting yourself be free to be you. Mm. And when you do that, you become magnetic for money, the money that's aligned for you. And you also create more time. Time and money can be a result of being in flow. Um, at first it's that feeling. And what I've noticed is if you have a particular type of calling that is necessary at this time in humanity, in the universe. And you're here to kind of play, play a pretty pivotal role. It gets louder and louder and louder. And you can always ignore it, but it manifests eventually because it starts again, everything is, everything that's physical starts in the non-physical. So it moves into the physical plane and stuff in your reality starts looking crazy. Um, it could at first be plateaus. So um, upper limits, you're hitting upper limits and you're like, I'm doing all the things. Um, in business, this looks like I'm doing all the strategies. I've got all the tactics. I've paid all the business mentors <laughs> and nothing is shifting. Right. Here you go. That's because you created the business that you thought you needed to create in order to be successful. 
but you didn't create a business that's in alignment with who you're here to be. Mm. Um, and then if it gets worse, then it can also manifest as, you know, certain relationships imploding and all, all sorts of mayhem can ensue to get your attention that, hey, um, we're ready to be this person now. <laughs> um, can we, can we be this person? Right. It's very, it, it's very patient. I know people, you know, our souls have patience with us and they are loving and, and care for us, but it can, it could take time. It could last and- a long time. For someone, typically what, with what you see, is it someone that just like feels like they have to like control it? Like, is it a non-trust in themselves? Like, what do you feel like keeps someone really stuck in the void? Um, attachment. Hmm. Because when you're in the void, you don't know where it's taking you. We're taught like, oh, you need to have a plan. And then you create the plan. And then you just do the steps and to get the thing, right? The void, you don't know where you're going. You can't possibly know. You may get like little hints and little insights or visions into what's possible, but you're not gonna get the whole picture because our minds can only conceive of what they've seen before, but who you're here to be has never been before. So you have to surrender. I was telling my, uh, the members of of my um, mastermind synarchy that it isn't even about having faith because I do hear a lot about like, oh, you have to have faith that it's all going to work out. And well, I grew up in a Christian household where there sure was a lot of faith and things were not working out. (laughs) Yes, I feel that. Um, You don't need to have faith actually. In my perspective, what you need to have is self-trust. Mm. and it is building that muscle of self-trust where you know that no matter what happens you're going to have your back Mm -hmm. you're going to have your back that you are not going to abandon yourself that you are going to figure things out and it does require that you surrender to the process because you're only going to get one or two steps in front of you you don't get the whole picture and that's the best part of it. Like who, it would suck so bad if we just lived the life that we thought we wanted. Right. And if all of it went exactly as we planned, that would be (sighs) so Like, I'm just thinking immediately, I was like, oh my gosh, I'd be with my ex. I'd probably be with a man. So I mean, I agree that the twists and turns are what make life so fun. Yes. Uh, so in a respect of just time, I'm going to ask the last question that I ask everybody that comes on. And that is what advice do you need to give yourself right now? Mm. So in the process of writing this book, <laughs> um, so my original intention for writing the book was, oh, I'm going to create this this book that's going to be, you know, very self-help oriented. And the book is taking its own shape and it is calling me to own that I am a spiritual teacher. 
I've been trying to get out of it at least a little bit. I'm like, oh, but like, I can like teach business a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. like I can dabble in the business realm, but the book is turning into like this tome. So I'm having another level of examining and accepting that I am a spiritual teacher and then also deciphering how I want that to express in the world through my business, like how things are structured, how I work with people, um, how I'm here to have impact. I'm having to go through my own um, exploration because I just told you, I love a long-term something, right? I love a long-term anything. And my business is primarily built on that. And now I'm having to work through that of like, no, something can be valuable in a very short period of time. And (laughs) how do you structure those things to come out? Um, I'm always, I'm always doing some work, some inner work. I'm not, I use euphoric evolution myself. That's how Mm -hmm. I can teach it. (laughs) Amazing. Oh, well, thank you so, so, so much for your time today, Makosi. Where can people connect with you, work with you, get to know you? Just drop uh, all your yeah. All your this stuff. these days the best place is Instagram and YouTube at the Royal Shaman, um, or at my website theroyalshaman.com. Well, amazing! Thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you in the next episode. If you enjoyed today's episode, please send it to a friend. Tag us on Instagram at, at @soshees underscore podcast and leave a five star review so we can help build, grow, and expand this podcast to anyone who it needs to reach. Thanks so much, and we'll see you in the next episode.